everyone. Welcome to episode 16 of the Bull and Hawk Sports Show. And we like to kick it off with an interview with one of Colin's friends who is on the Korea University of Chicago women's basketball team. And she is, her name is Kayla. She's a guard number 10. <laughs> and we welcome her, CJ. And yeah, thanks for coming on the show, Kayla. Where are you currently residing? Uh, I'm currently at my parents' house in Harvard, Illinois. So um, I've just got an apartment in Logan Square, so hoping to move there so uh, cool. all of this kind of calms down a little oh, bit cool. and it allows me to get out of the house. Yeah. Yeah, really, that's a really nice area. Um, really friendly area, I would say. And yeah, one of my good friends actually, uh, his was a godfather. Uh, he has some family stuff. He goes out. Uh, he lives in the same town as me, though. He comes out to Logan for that. So, um, oh, that's cool. Yeah, and and I got a chance to. Um, I I saw like through your just see your background, like um, looking at your player profile, um, like who you are. Um, and, uh, really interesting. Um, I was just, I read some of the article that had the interview about you and it's really, um, inspirational story. Um, of course that's not your whole story though. Um, it's, it's really, really cool to, to see, um, someone like that come up. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, it's definitely been a big part of my life and a little bit of a setback, but I'm excited to kind of uh, have that behind me and still moving forward, um, playing basketball and stuff like that. Yeah, that's that's amazing to hear. Um, yeah, so uh, let's start with. Yeah, because the main reason Kayla is on her main topic is on women's national basketball, the WNBA. That's her. Expertise. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. So let's start with. I can go first. I have a question. Oh. Yeah, sure. Why not? When did you start getting interested in the WA? Has it been a while or not that long ago? Uh, yeah, it's been kind of longstanding. Um, so before I was kind of like interested in the WNBA and stuff like that, I was really interested. Um, I watched. Um, D1 women's college basketball. Um, oh, cool. And that was kind of all growing up. I loved watching Notre Dame women's team. And then as some of like, my favorite players like were leading the Notre Dame program, they were getting drafted into the WNBA, and that was kind of when like, my first spark um, my first spark of interest kind of came about. Probably 2015-ish um, was when I kind of started really diving in. Um, watching WNBA, going to games and stuff like that, just because some of my favorite college players um, got drafted. And then from there, it's just kind of been constantly paying attention to it and, and focusing on my favorite players and then just other great women, female athletes that are kind of going through and getting drafted. 
Yeah, that's that's really cool. cool. Yeah, that's that's the right that's that's like the good path to to do it, and um, and especially it helps to um, keep up to keep up with um, college um, players to uh, you know if they they make it to WNBA, it's like good supporting that, and so by that time you you kind of know you know you know who they are, so that's really cool. yeah. Yeah, I know we, we find ourselves like we um, don't always check out like even the NBA draft, um, knowing who's who, probably like the top three picks or something. Um, so, yeah, that's that's good to do. Uh, how about who are the biggest influences or inspirations um, that um, got you to play? Um. Well, one of my one of my basketball idols, um, her name is Kayla McBride. She actually plays for the Las Vegas Aces. Um, she's somebody that I met um, when she played at Notre Dame, and I was actually in a wheelchair at the time after breaking my back, and um, yeah. I kind of had a conversation about basketball and about my injury and stuff like that. And at the time, I thought that I was never going to play basketball again. And in our conversation and stuff, I just kind of found like an inspiration. Um, and like a drive that I didn't want to give up at that point. And kind of looking back, I followed her throughout the WNBA and stuff like that. And she just kind of was always someone that like, um, I could reach out to on social media and she would reach out, like reply back to me and stuff like that. And it was, uh, it was super cool to have like an inspiration as somebody who has kind of made it in the WNBA and has somebody that kind of drives me and pushes me in that way. And it was, um, it was really nice to have an idol that kind of I had a personal relationship with. Yeah, I think I remember seeing that um, on, you talked about that on social media, but it's interesting to know the whole story. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And then this past summer, I was at a WNBA game, and um, it was the Chicago Sky versus Las Vegas Aces, and I had um, mm-hmm. made my way down to the court after the game, and I got the chance to talk to her again after the game and kind of tell her, um, I hadn't like talked to her in a while and I was able to, you know, make, I tweeted about it and just kind of said that like, mm. I, I met her so long ago and, and didn't have hope that I'd play. And, you know, here I am now and it kind of blew up on, on Twitter. Um, but it became, <laughs> it became a, a nice relationship that I had formed with her. Cool. Yeah. Uh, yeah. A lot of uh, cool things happen through, um, and that's that's the difference right there. You know, like different type of uh, mediums and like your Facebooks and Instagrams and whatnot. Like each each part. Like uh, I believe that Twitter, uh, you can reach out to um, a lot of different um, figures, um, such as WNBA um, athletes, and uh, be able to um, have them uh, get back to you like that. That's that's really that's really cool. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I believe that Twitter is the best one if you want to like get interacted with an athlete or someone like that. Yeah, yeah, it's a, it's a great it's a great yeah. uh, platform to use for that. Yeah, yeah, it, it definitely gives you like especially with all like the topics that are trending. You know, that gives you some ideas. You know, what uh, is is going on like by you know an hour or so. Um, so. Mm-hmm definitely a special place you know like for me i i enjoy it too um so to be on there and uh how about how how did you get started in 
in basketball? Um, I started playing when I was in third grade, I believe it was. Um, uh, my family is very athletic. I've always grown up playing sports. Um, both my parents played, were very, very athletic, playing three sports throughout their whole lives. So um, when I was growing up, I started playing soccer first, and then I started playing softball. And then, like, I was just kind of looking for other sports and trying to find an indoor sport. And one of my mom's friends um, was running a, a club team um, a couple towns over from my hometown and was like, well, why don't we give this a try? And so they signed me up, and I started playing. And then from day one, first practice there, um, I I fell in love with the game. And, like, going into that club team, I was kind of the odd one out because everybody else knew each other, and I was kind of like the fresh kid coming a couple towns away to play basketball. And then it ended up kind of becoming, like, my place. And, you know, I became friends with these people and, and played with that club for quite some time. Yeah, yeah, that must be a really good feeling. Yeah, basically, yeah, the feeling that you know this is this is your house, and mm-hmm. uh, it it's cool. Um, and that's like you've seen it since like it started. So, um, um, let's see. I'll go next. Yeah, sure. So let's see. This question is: Who is your favorite WNBA? Team and player. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, that's tough. Um, my my favorite team. Um, it's probably either um, the Las Vegas Aces or um Seattle. Um, they're both just mm-hmm. great programs. Um, my favorite players would have to be Kayla McBride, the one that I talked about previously, and she plays for the Aces, um, which is kind of where my favorite team comes from, but I also love the coaching aspect of it. Um, yeah. And then the Seattle Storm is just a great program as well. They were kind of built, had some of the greatest basketball players of all time um, have played for, for Seattle. Yeah, Sue Bird. Um, so, yeah, exactly, Sue Bird. So, you know, you've got, you've got great players and great talent there. Um, yeah, and then like I said, um, Kayla McBride would probably be one of my favorites just because, again, I have that personal relationship with her. But yeah. if you look at some of some of the greater players like Diana Taurasi and, and Hugh Bird, and those are just great players that are currently still in the league that are they, the, their style of play is so unmatched that it's incredible to watch. Yeah, um, definitely agree with with um you know how they are it's really it's really cool and um i'm sure this is already something like you covered because you mentioned a few other sports though um favorite favorite sports outside of of basketball um outside of basketball would definitely be soccer um my dad is a he's been our high school soccer coach for 20 years now um i've grown up around the sport my sister's play soccer um it's just kind of been one of the the most constant sports in my life yeah that's awesome yeah i would call that my my second favorite too outside of outside of basketball uh i i don't necessarily have like a a family uh you know line for uh you know history playing it (laughs) though um many of my um 
good friends and today like uh, they they played so like you know um playing out that outside for fun um mostly outdoors you know uh were you know some of the best uh times um how about yeah uh we know that uh, with WNBA, NBA, um, a lot, you know, especially with them, they're big on like having, um, you know, those the music during the games, and uh, it's very certainly very unique. Um, what are some of your favorite kinds of music? Um, um, and with, do you have like certain uh, songs that you like to play before you you come on to you know you start the game or? Um. Yeah, so music-wise, like, I'm, I kind of listen to a wide variety, um, but for pump-up music before games, ever since I was a kid, it's a strange one, but ever since I was a kid, I always loved to listen to Linkin Park, right before I would go onto the court, um, and that's one that's yeah, kind yeah, of, like, a strange <laughs> one, <laughs> and so, like, team-wise, I, um, I kind of have found that, like, other, other pump-up songs kind of fall like fallout boy is a good one and stuff like that but at the core it's always been lincoln park but that's kind of something that most of my team doesn't really uh share that hype with <laughs> so i kind of i kind of find that it's less of like what type of music pumps me up and the mindset that i'm in when i'm listening to music so um really anything can kind of get me going in the end yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I recently, like, I've always liked them. Uh, I recently, like, rediscovered them because I didn't, like, after a while, not listening to them, like, regularly. Like, uh, one of my favorites is, uh, that I've been hearing more recently is uh, Faint. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, that that one is, I feel like it'd be a good pump-up song. Um, oh, for sure. And, and uh, yeah, I already did so, do you have any moves on the court that says that, like, this is Kayla and it, th- it throws off opponents? Any, like, special special moves that you you like to do? Yeah. So, there's this one. I don't really know how to kind of discuss it, but my team calls it the stomp because I kind of, like, if I'm driving in when I get anywhere in, like, the mid-range, I kind of, like, I'll go for, like, a pull-up but I kind of stomp heavily on my feet and then hit, like, a fadeaway, and, like, I delay my shot a little bit, but if someone's jumping to block, they're too early for when my shot comes off my hand, and I don't really know how it came about or anything like that. I don't know how it works, but it's the only way that I can get a shot off um, because I'm kind of shorter than a lot of my team, so... Getting a shot off of people is difficult, so being able to utilize a, like a fadeaway in addition to like my a, like a hang time type of shot, it um, it lets me get get some good shots off when I've got some height guarding me. And I didn't realize that it was like my consistent thing, but every time I do it, my team's like, "There it is again." <laughs> <laughs> is this one like the, um, I'm not sure I've heard? Uh, is this one like jumping like you know? Is it like still? You said you land on your feet and then you, yeah, and then you it goes up. Oh. Yeah, it's a ground look. That's cool. Yeah, I was about to say because I've been finding like uh, some clips of how to do well, how to perfect the the Derrick Rose like crossover. Oh yeah, <laughs> Cause, yeah, cause yeah, that's yeah. what I was thinking. That is similar. Like 
there's ones where he just uh, stop both of his feet, just stops, and then like right almost like right away like goes up for it. So okay. Uh, yeah. Other than yeah, other than that, like I don't believe anyone really beats um, him with like the whole crossover. Like he's so quick um, up right there. So um, yeah, it's, that one definitely is like one of some of my favorites. Um, and you know, special moves could do and uh uh okay i i have one yeah go ahead so if you watch the wnba draft is there any player besides sabrina and sq you think could be like a star um that's tough i think that there's a lot of players that, that got drafted this year that have potential to, to do really well. But I think especially being drafted in the same class as Sabrina, it's going to be tough for people to, to be seen as, as stars or standouts. Yeah. Um, just because, I mean, you've got talent that's so unmatched in her that um, it kind of it's going to be so difficult to, to be anything more than that. But, I mean, um, Kennedy Carter was drafted to... Um, Atlanta, and she's she's raw talent. She um, she's going to do phenomenal in the league. That again, I don't think anybody's going to beat Sabrina out for you know yeah. rookie of the year, or anything like that. But there's definitely there's definitely some, some great talent um, that got drafted in the league. Mm-hmm. And Carter uh, fourth overall to the Atlanta Dream, mm-hmm. and so that. Um, Let's see. Yeah, and then the Sky got a few to, uh, especially the eighth pick, Crystal Dangerfield. What is it? Was that right? Oh, no, mm, um, I don't know. Hebbard. Yes, Hebbard. Yeah, Hebbard. Yep. Yep. Yeah, and then so, there's and, a few and like the oh, sky oh, had a couple trades couple that happened. On hold, hold on, Ben. Yeah. But uh, yeah, so yeah. the sky's definitely going to have um, some fresh talent coming in, and it's definitely going to help um, in in trading before the draft. Chicago traded a couple couple younger players um, in order to pick up some some new talent this year. So it'll be really interesting to see how how they um, they utilize. You know, I think I think it's three new players that they're getting this year, um, and that'll be that'll be good. Uh, change up for them. I know you said you were a you're a big fan of the Seattle Storm and Las Vegas Aces. Did you like the pick that the Storm did of? Oh, I don't know how to say her name. Uh, uh, yeah, I'm I'm not sure how to say her name either. But um, <laughs> I'm not, I don't I don't know much about her. So I she's the one from Latvia. Really, yeah, I I can't talk much uh, on her, but. I think that um, I think that the potential coming in is going to be great, and I think that um, having having another young player, she's uh, drafted what eleven? Yeah. Um, yes. Yeah, yes. I think it's going to be it's going to be a lot of a lot of changes, and it. I mean, coming having someone come from from Latvia is, is really incredible. So I, I think that's something that will potentially only help them. Yeah, according to this 
article from the Seattle Times by Jada Evans, who's a reporter. She says that the player from Latvia won't arrive until 2021 for the storm. Okay. So yeah, yeah. So I'm gonna do my best to to say that. Uh, so shooting guard out of Latvia, Kataya Laksa. <laughs> we'll go for that. <laughs> yeah. Laksa is actually, uh, from what I know, it's uh, no, it's a name for uh, a Thai dish or like oh. a Thai type of like flavor. Whatnot, so. Yeah. <laughs> so that's what I got uh, me back to. Um, yeah, uh, and I always wondered if, um, especially um, you guys on the team, um, you get to pick your own numbers, or is that, um, like, somehow it's the same? Uh, yeah, we get to pick our own numbers. Um, coming in to this, like, during the summer, um, our, our grad assistant will send out and kind of just ask people, and it goes um, by by seniority on the team, so she'll ask the seniors first what numbers you want, kind of kind of work it down that way. So um, a lot of times, freshmen kind of just take whatever is left. Um, but mm-hmm. for the most part, everybody just gets gets what they want, and you know, a lot of our team is very understanding and like knows that, like you know, I know that some of the younger players have their numbers locked in, so I'm not going to go and. and be like, okay, well, I'm a senior. I'm going to take this number, and you know, like, you yeah. have that agreement that like everybody knows what number everybody wants, so we're just going to kind of, kind of let it flow. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. So that's cool. Uh, that leads into the next one with, um, yeah. So many of the all-time best wore number ten. Um, you know, the, the, the WNBA, <laughs> such as uh, Super, you know, of course, three-time uh, world champion with the Storm, um, mm-hmm. one of the greatest, uh, one of the best, uh, if not the best uh, point guard in uh, WNBA history, um, Kelsey Plum, uh, was part of the all-rookie team, uh, 2017 uh, first overall draft pick, as well as, like, in the NBA, there's BJ Armstrong, Bob Love. Steve Nash, currently uh, DeMar DeRozan, uh, Walt Frazier. Um, uh, why number 10? Um, is there a, a good, nice meaning behind uh, the number that you chose? Um, kind of, but not necessarily. So all my life growing up for all of my sports that I played, I was number 23 um, after Michael Jordan. Mm-hmm. And... Coming into college and playing basketball, I kind of wanted a, a new number because it was kind of a new me coming in. Um, I wasn't the same, same player that I was the last time I picked up a ball when I broke my back in high school. Um, and so I wanted a fresh start. I wanted something new, something revamped. Um, and then based on the numbers that were available um, at the time when, when it came time for me to pick my jersey numbers, um, 10 was available, and there's a, there's a bunch of other numbers that I could have chosen from, too, but um, 10 kind of really stuck out at me. Um, one for Super, um, that was, like, my initial, like, hit in the hit, you know, that's a Bird's number. She's one of the greatest of all times in the WNBA. And the, the girl that had graduated the year before, Courtney Loafing, she was number 10. She was their um, Concordia's starting point guard, and she was not only a phenomenal player, but she was just a phenomenal person to look up to, and um, I felt like 
I wanted to, to wear the number that she had built at Concordia um, and kind of carry that on. And and so it was kind of like a revamping for me and also trying to carry on a legacy that was built with that number. Oh, uh, yeah, that, that's that's amazing. Uh, so, yeah, uh, you know, talking about um, past two minutes, uh, how about... Uh, how about your currently favorite teammates? Uh, you know, whether to play on, you know, on the court or, um, you know, who are your closest, uh, you know, teammates with off the court? Um, well, both on and off the court. Um, my my best friend um, Anna Clare, she's number three. Um, mm-hmm. Playing with her on the court um, is so fun because we know each other so well that we know each other's tendencies. So she's one of the only people that can ever block my shot and and one of the only ones that can ever defend her when she does her signature moves. Um, So that's always fun. But then um, there's there's two other um, juniors my age, and we call ourselves the trio, and uh, (laughs) me, Marie, Baumgartner, and Sarah Ludwig, who just um, our playing styles together and our personalities together have always been fun on and off the court. Oh yeah, oof. That's good answer. Reminds me, like, like Curry. Uh, is it Curry? Uh, the Slash Brothers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you do the Slash Sisters. <laughs> um, that's cool. Uh, and what are your so far? Uh, what are your favorite three moments? Uh, just that like magical number three moments. Uh, so far at uh, CUC, um, basketball. Um, I think. I think my first would be um, will probably be hosting CIT this year. Um, just having the opportunity to play um, in our gym as big as it was and on as wide scale as it was was incredible to be a part of. Yeah. Um, even though I was I was struggling with some health health issues and I wasn't actually able to be on the court, but just yeah. kind of being in that environment uh, was absolutely insane. Um, and then another one would be. Um, our last home game, I think it was our last game um, last year, was a home game against Aurora, and we, we put the smackdown on them in the first half. We were up by probably 20 at the end of the first half, um, and then we lost We lost the lead. We ended up only winning by one, but we still we still won like that final game, and it was just a great way to go out on the season. Um, and then my third moment would be our last game this year um, at Aurora. And we uh, we won again. It was kind of just a strong way to go out on the season. Um, in a tough, like fighting match against um, Aurora. So those would probably be my top three. Yeah, I've I've heard that uh, that that Aurora is, is a tough, uh, you know, if not uh, probably the toughest uh, rival uh, that you guys have. Yeah, for sure. Uh, um, yeah, because we- yeah, so. Yeah. Oh, I was just going to say that uh, Ben and I went to, we, we watched the CIT games, and we also watched uh, when you played Rockford at home yeah. this year. Yeah. Um, yeah, then next is most challenging game slash uh, or team that you've played against. Um, most challenging. Um... Probably these dub, because um, I feel like a lot of times when we play them, like we have the potential, we have the strength to compete with them, um, but 
we always we always fall short. Um, just just enough. Um, we we love battling with them, but it seems as though we can never keep our keep our tempo with them. But that's definitely probably one of our most like biggest rival games because we always just want to beat them, and we're always so close, and we just fall short. Yeah. Uh, is is that you know like uh, from this year like you know is that like because I mean you guys have uh, you know some missing pieces like the term that uh, that CJ likes to use um, you know you know you guys don't have um, all the all the players that you guys want to have you know some that are um, that are out for the moment um, you know would you guys be better. If you guys did have everyone on there. I'm sorry, you were breaking up a little bit. I didn't hear what you said. Yeah, he, uh, Bendis asked, uh, do you believe the team could have even had more success due like some injuries or like maybe with more experience, could the team have been even better? Oh yeah, for sure, for sure. We struggled with injuries a lot this year. Um, and at one game, I think we had people injured on the bench and so that definitely puts um, a damper in, in our playing styles and, and our, our tendencies and stuff um, but I mean looking forward to next season um, everybody's kind of on the road to recovery and on the, the right path so hopefully uh, we get to see our team at full strength and full capacity um, to help us kind of get that success that we're looking for Yeah, uh, yeah, because CJ said that that you were on. Well, we we didn't remember trying to remember back at when we were watching the game with um. So, um, hopefully, kind of getting back on the right path. But yeah, as we, as you we stand now, that's kind of um what we're looking like. So it'll definitely be nice to get back to that. Yeah, yeah, and we we definitely look forward to uh, it's it's not if it's it's when uh, you know I have. Really good hope that um, you know everyone's gonna be hundred um, percent for that time and excited to uh, be out there to to support. Um, and um, CJ and I, we've said uh, you know while it was still going on, like the last few games that we hope to uh, you know we're we're definitely going to um, go out to more games and 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 show some more support. Oh yeah, for sure. We appreciate the support, all of it. Well, let's see. Uh, I think we have time for maybe one more question. So, do you have a good one, Ben? Uh, yeah, that's that's basically um, all from mine. Yeah, that I could, that, I could drop them. <laughs> that that's all my questions too. I asked all I wanted to ask. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, we just leave on. Uh, um, I mean, uh, I'm sure it's covered already. Like how how's it been? Like uh, you've been able to be out um, outside, you know, playing a little bit. Like you know, how's your family? Like you know, during this self quarantining, you know, has has the, have they been, um, you know, just like they were before, or have they, you know, like I mean, certain like houses that you know, like you'd be like kind of like crazy and whatnot during this time. Uh, have you I mean have you found like some some peace, you know, during, during this time. Yeah, for sure. So, um, being at my former parents' house, um, we're kind of in a small town where, um, I'm still able to like 
go outside and walk around and like there's nobody around me it's kind of in a nice little country area so being able to get out and you know go play basketball and stuff like that has definitely kept me sane during this time um and it's been you know nice to be able to still play and still get get ball in my hand and stuff like that um definitely a challenging time for the family um everybody just kind of being home is a new one just because my my family's so used to you know me not being here all the time um yeah and my my best friend annika's staying with us too so that's another another person that's in the house and it was just an adjustment for everybody but we're for sure for sure, oh, making the best of yeah, it um, and enjoying, yeah, I, enjoying I what we can which, along the way. Which one it was because, yeah, I, I have uh, uh, communications best with her. So, um, yeah, she, she didn't really say who it was. So, uh, that, that's cool. Let's go there. Well, th thanks, Kayla, for coming on to the Bullhawk Sports Show. We greatly appreciated your time. Yeah, thank oh, yeah, you no for problem. Thank out. you so much. Yeah, and definitely we could um, welcome you back uh, anytime. anytime uh, for you know we uh, about WNBA, which we're continuing um, covering uh, on this program. So yeah, we appreciate. Not a problem. Thank you guys so much. Okay, talk to you later. All right, Thank later. You. Bye. Bye. Well, Ben, DJ Ben and Bull, do you have any final thoughts? Is there any article or story you saw that we should say before we wrap up this segment? Oh, The Rock just started <laughs> to go live. Uh -huh. uh, not, not really. No. Uh, you know, that, that was a that was a good interview and uh, great interview. Uh, you know, great remind, enjoyed. You know, her to to listen back to it and uh you know this is this this is really awesome um and having someone that you know one of our one of our own um that we uh we share the the campus with is 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 always is always cool and you know that hasn't happened uh uh that that often yet you know we're definitely uh you know when the next semester goes on we hopefully could get uh you know football Sure. Uh, you know, baseball, all the other different uh, sports to come out uh, to happen and uh, have more, uh, you know, our very own athletes. Well, um, on the two, so well, this is the uh, Kayla was the second Concordia athlete we've had on after Leslie, she was the first, so yeah, oh, yeah, that's right. So, 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 Mar so far, you know, from the those uh, different two uh, distinct uh, sports and so, very, very different interviews. one that's uh, courtesy of Yahoo Sports and uh, by uh, AP that Chicago Sky Center Stephanie Dawson says she got COVID-19. Oh, I saw that. Yeah, and that uh, marks the, the first known Chicago pro athlete to contract this. Yeah, it's too bad. I hope that um, her family or... is not doesn't, yeah, nothing comes bad from this um and so that does, yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah so yeah that, that does it for this segment so, on my end yeah so thanks everyone for tuning in to hear our 
interview with Kayla McLeod. She graciously came on to the show. And stay tuned for some more segments upcoming, especially once we start seeing more sports stories coming in the future. So thank you. And talk to you later. Oh, thank you. Hey, everyone, and welcome to the second half of episode 16 of the Bullhawk Sports Show here on Anchor. And we're going to continue discussing the WNBA 2020 draft that went on last Friday. So that was April 17th. And we talked a lot about the beginning of the first couple picks of the NBA draft, but since the Chicago Skies basically our team, the home team for this show, the one we probably know the most about, we're going to discuss the three players that the Chicago Sky drafted in this year's draft, starting with the first pick, which was number eight in the 2020 draft, Rufi Habard from the University of Oregon, and she's a forward did you do some research on Rufi Hubbard, Ben? Yeah, just I did, I did uh, you know, a little bit. So, so Rufi, um, her that's her nickname, and her name is Ruth, and she is just twenty-one, and actually born in Chicago, six four. And, you know, by default, that's, you know, she's an American of American uh, nationality. And um, she, you know, now has been drafted and is in WNBA. So, you know, it's, I'm happy that we got a first pick, a first round pick. And she played ball for the Oregon Ducks. And, you know, this is very similar to a few other of uh, top picks for this draft. Same uh, alma mater, if you will. She Her highlights are that she is a three-time Gatorade State Player of the Year from 2013 to 2015, and also a two-time USA Today Alaska Player of the Year in 2015 and 2016. And also a first team All American through AP, as well as the USBWA, which stands for the United States Basketball Writers Association of 1956 by the National Collegiate Athletic Association. And, you know, there's journalists uh, that are interested in covering college basketball. She also has won medals and a few other championships, such as the Pan American Games Gold in 2019 in Lima, the National 3 3 by 3 team, as well as the USA Basketball 3x3 National Championship, both gold in 2018 and 2019 of the same competition, which is the USA Basketball Women's 3x3 titles title 
uh, while representing Oregon Ducks. And here's some more of her stats. It said, Oregon and Pac-12 all-time leader in career field field goal percentage 65.1. Oregon all-time leader in career career field goals made 987. And four-time all-Pac-12. And of course, she would have been a part of the NCAA tournament that barely began in mid-March, though a few days after her. Did the of course the pandemic was just beginning to you know circle around the nation, so it was canceled due to that. So you know the you know that part of the collegiate career, if you will, was but was cut cut short in terms of the NCAA tourney. So now that she is a part of the sky. That is definitely going to add to the league. And this, uh, with her background, she is African-American. So she was adopted by two white parents and grew up in Fairbanks, Alaska, which explains why she has honors in Alaska. And um, she is... Uh, the second of three children that were adopted by John and Dorothy ever. So, yeah, I guess they gave her, like, a last name when she was adopted. And she is a member of the Fellowship of Christian Athletes. Oh, cool. So she's a devoted, uh, devoted Christian. I didn't know that. That's cool. There's some fun facts on Everett. Switching gears to, to the next pick. I, I did some research on this one. I can start out if you want. Yeah. The next pick was in the third round for the Chicago Sky. And this was number six, Japris Dean from UCLA. She's 5'7". Point guard. She is... 20, number 24. Number 24. And also, I think she's 24 years old. Let's see. Or 23. She was at Texas Tech, but then transferred to UCLA, where she played for her last three seasons. She was a senior, all pack 12, and a month 10 finalist for the Lieberman Award as the nation's top point guard after averages of 13.6 points, five and a half assists, and recording. Eight triple doubles in UCLA history, so the eighth. As a junior, set UCLA single season free throw record 92, 9.22. Then loves LeBron James, self processed LeBron James super fan, wears number 24, which was Kobe Bryant's number. And also, her mom played basketball at Frank Phillips Junior College, and her dad has served as a National Girl Scout. And her career statistics, according to the SAP, are 12.1 points per game, 3 rebounds per game, 1.1 steals per game, 0.1 blocks, 35% field goal percentage, and 4.4 assists. So I think she could definitely be a good passer, good... Her assist numbers aren't bad. They're pretty good. 4.5, that's pretty good. 
she could be a good point guard for the Chicago Sky. Yeah, that's for sure. And her mom and dad, uh, you mentioned that her dad, uh, her mom uh, played basketball. Yeah, her mom did. Uh, Miss Angelique uh, from uh, Phillips Junior College. And Joseph is her father, uh, who is the National Girls Basketball Scout with Premier Basketball Report. And also, she looked up to Russell Westbrook as well as Kyrie Irving. This is courtesy of UCLABruins.com. Oh, I was going to say, where is that? It's not on the WNBA.com. Yeah, uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah some more uh, inside info. And she lists her greatest athletic achievement to date as hitting the game winning shot versus Georgetown her senior year to go undefeated in district play. And so she chose to attend UCLA because I really, I really love love the level of education UCLA has to offer and also love the fact that Coach Close is very passionate about her players well beyond the game of basketball. And while she was there, she was majoring in history and UCLA is of course part of the 12 Pac-12 conference. So that was some info, more info on Japri Steen. Now we have one final draft pick that the Chicago Sky drafted in the third round. This is pick number eight. And this is, ooh, I don't want to say it, Ron. Uh, Kaya, Kaya Gillespie. And she attended Florida State University. She says that she's a forward, but she could probably be a forward slash center based on her statistics. 6'2". She's about 22 years old. She attended... Number 15. Yes. She attended Capital Prep Magnet in Connecticut for high school. She's born in Meriden High School, uh, Connecticut. So same place where she went to high school. One of final five for McLean Award as nation's top power forward in 2020 and among 10 finalists in 2019. Two-time All-America honors. Let's see. First seminal ever to lead team in points, rebounds, and free points per game. As transfer eligible only practice initiated, Knowles' best opponent like Louisville, M. Hines, Notre Dame's Marina Marbury, Two-time Gatorade Connecticut Player of the Year. And big fan of Maya Moore, Candace Parker, and just like Japrice Dean, LeBron James. And she averaged 15.9 points per game, 9 rebounds, 1.8 assists, 0.7 steals, 0.6 blocks, and 43.8 field goal percentage. So Kai Gillespie is definitely going to be a player for the sky who they're going to focus on her defensive skills and rebounding and also in-side scoring. Now she is part of the Florida State Seminoles and also mentioned that she went to college in Maryland. Uh, Sounds like for a brief period or before transferring to Florida. Oh, before she transferred, yeah. And, you know, career honors also. There's there's a... laundry list of honors right here 
that I could mention about uh, you mentioned the AP on our board. Yes. Uh, yeah, she is also part of the 2020 WBCA regional finalist, honorable mention All American, as well as ACC All Tournament first team, the 2019 through 2020 Naismith Trophy midseason team. And also made the 2020 ESPN W Top 20 Player Overall Rankings. She also has won the preseason Wooden Award Top 30, as well as the Naismith Trophy Watch List. So we could see why she was chosen to be a part of this draft pool. And she's also been, again, the WBCA 2019 region finalist so it's it's been uh, you know some time coming uh, and she is tied for the second fastest seminal ever to score 1,000 points through 64 games just the third seminal to receive multiple all a double c first team selections in her career joining Natasha Howard and Shakela Thomas and of course, I mentioned here again with the note of NCAA postseason due to the threat of COVID 19. At Maryland, from 2015 through 17, she made impact right away by starting her first college game against UMass Lowell, scoring 15 points with eight rebounds in 21 minutes. Part of the growing tribe six footers with extended range, knocking down a three-pointer, or making plays from the high post specialty. And she is also from, again, you mentioned where she went on Capital Prep Magnet. She yeah, in Connecticut. She's 2015 McDonald's All-American. And you mentioned uh, the Connecticut Gatorade Player of the Year twice. And more about her is that she while at being a seminar, she majored at in, in sociology, and she likes to be nicknamed, called by her nickname KG. And mom and dad, uh, Levy and Martina Gillespie. And she cites her older brother as how she got into playing basketball, and she wanted to be just like him. And she was so in this portion that to explain a hardship she had overcome my redshirt season at FSU and being away from the team when they traveled. And just a little bit more. She has, a, like I mentioned, older brother, 22 years old, and a younger brother, nine years old. And something that many don't know about her is that she said she I was born on a blue moon. Um, and she cites that she wants to meet LeBron James. If yeah. you're, you know, she regrets it and wish three wishes by the genie, good health for my family and I, and to drive a sports car. And a little bit more is that she mentions that if she could choose to fight to give back to any cause, she would 
create scholarship funds because everyone deserves a chance as well as she mentioned what's the best piece of advice you'd ever received and from who you said from her mom and dad telling her don't limit yourself and that is on kaya gillespie and the there, third and final pick for this guy and there's one final WNBA pick that i want to discuss because i want to give some talking points about the final pick in the WNBA draft because normally someone who's picked last in any draft probably gets the least amount of coverage because they're the last pick. But uh, we want to talk about Sug Sudden. That's her nickname. Her real name is Alicia Kari Sudden. Goes by Sug. Shoot for Sugar. The nickname given to her father by her grandfather and her dad. Parents Larry Sudden and Tanette Moore lists her dad as her greatest influence. And final two seasons at Texas, so she attended the University of Texas, was a guard, 5'8", and she was two-time All-Big 12, first team 2019, second team this year, and among 10 finalists for the Nancy Lieberman Award as nation's top point guard. Two years started for Texas after coming off the bench as a freshman and sophomore, finished Longhorn's career Tied for ninth in program history in total assists. Led Texas in 2019 and was fourth in Big 12 in assists. In 2018, led Texas in points per game, assists per game, steals per games. She was a Naismith All-America second team pick despite suffering a horrible torn ACL in late December 2015. So an ACL might end someone's career, but she persevered on and still is playing basketball to this day. And her career points, her career stats were 8.3 points per game, 3.4 rebounds game, 3.2 assists, 1 steal, 0.1 blocks, and 42.2% field goal percentage. So pretty balanced. Not a huge scorer, but pretty good. And rebounds and assists, similar. And steals, she might steal some baskets for you as well, which is good. Yeah, that's for sure. And we'll have to see if her name is actually pronounced either yeah, as, sure. uh, as your family name is. Yeah. It might, it might be Suge. It might be Suge. It probably is Suge. I don't know. Right. I'm thinking that it's Suge. Probably. And while at U of Texas, her major is health promotion and behavior sciences and she goes by number one and also was mcdonald's high school all-american in 2016 as well as the judy dunn award recipient last year and also part of the big 12 commissioners honor roll in spring 2017 fall 2018 spring 2019 as well as fall 2019 and you mentioned her career games right and she ranks 39th in school history in career points with 1,091 points. And tied for 9th in program history in career assist with 419. 
And as a senior, part of U of Texas this year, she is a second team All Bay 12 conference selection. Played in all 30 games with 29, starts as a senior, and averages squad best of 29.9 minutes per game. But the Longhorns and ranked fourth in the Big 12 Conference. Well, you mentioned that too. And also helped lead Texas to a road win versus number 17, Tennessee, December the 8th, with 19 points, five rebounds, three assists, and two steals in a season high 38 minutes. Scored a season high 23 points, including three three pointers in 36 minutes against number 12, NC State, North Carolina. On November 29th in Honolulu. And there's a year by year breakdown right here. So, you know, as a freshman, she played in 34 games for the Longhorns, earning her first career start against Tennessee, averaging 13.6 minutes per game. She scored in double figures on two occasions during the season back in 2016 17. And she was also named a 2016 Naismith second team All-American during her prep years, as well as on USA Basketball. She's a member of the USA Basketball U19, which is, stands for under 19, as in the age team in the summer of 2017 that claimed the silver medal at the 2017 EVA Under 19 World Cup in Italy. Started all seven games for the USA, averaging eight points per game and 3.1 rebounds per game. And in community and academics, again, she's majoring in health and behavioral sciences and academic all big 12, as well as part of the 2021 team. I already mentioned the big 12 commissioners honor roll. I think I Dr. forgot. Larry and Larry Sutton and Tonette Moore enlist her father as her greatest influence in basketball. I think I forgot to mention that she's heading to the Washington Mystics, the defending yeah, WNBA right. champion. The same team that Elena Delgan lead in that team. And she actually committed to Texas on her 16th birthday, which was December 17th, 2014. And, you know, earlier I mentioned one of her big moments happened like close around her birthday. So, And her middle name is actually Kaori, I believe you, if, if you mentioned or not. Yeah, I did. Uh, and, and you mentioned her current high. Yeah. 24 points. So it looks like she's a very strong rebounder. Yeah, uh, like in defense and career high in minutes, 40. That was versus Quinny Piak in November 18, 2018. And that is Suge Sutton. Yeah, since she's going to the defending WNBA champions, She's definitely not going to be starting, but she'll probably have some minutes off the bench for sure in her rookie season. That's for sure. And switching to the overall picks, 
Do you want to uh, go over all of that? Yeah, I can name like the first round and maybe discuss some of the ones we haven't discussed if you want to do that. Because sure. some of these we focused sure. a lot in our interview with Kayla. So round one, pick one was Sabrina Nescu needs no introduction. The second pick was her teammate, Satu Salby, heading to the Dallas Wings from Oregon. Then... The third pick was Lauren Cox from Baylor. And a little bit about Lauren Cox, because I don't believe we said anything about her, was that she was Big 12 Player of the Year this season, one of four finalists for the Naismith National Player of the Year, one of 15 for Wooden National Player of the Year, Ten was a men 10 finalist for McLean Award as nation's top power forward, Three-time All-American, first team, first team, third team, honorable mention 2018, two-time Big 12 Defensive Player of the Year, three-time All-Big 12, two-time Big 12 All-Defensive. As a junior, was 2019 All-Final Four pick in NCCA Greensboro region. Let's see. Uh... She also, let's see, one of four sisters, the oldest. Her mom played at Southern Methodist, dad at Methodist College, sister Whitney at Lubbock Christian, so all Texas places. And her stats are 12 points per game, 7.5 rebounds, 2.8 assists, 2.3 blocks, and basically 50% from the field, uh, field goal, so 50%. And according to this article, because some of the bigger players who are drafted very early have like five things to know about them. And let's see. Sure. She had some injuries. That's one thing to look at. She's good on and off the court. And also very versatile. So she has good scoring averages, good in rebounds. Well, excellent rebounds. Good in assists, good in steals, and great in blocks. Her balance puts her apart. And according to WNBA insiders, she most likely would have went number two if Satu Salaby had not entered. Yeah, that's for sure. And let's be sure to, like, how we do with the Bulls, we usually like to, during the beginning of the season we cover in terms of games the basically this the entire an entire uh, division so let's do like all the midwest teams and as well as uh, on top of that all the other players that you'd like to go more in depth into um feel free to do so okay well that was the Yep, that was the third pick for the Fever. Do you want me to keep reading them, or is that what we're doing? Yeah, go on. Okay, number four, Shanaday Carter from the Atlanta Dream. She went to Atlanta Dream. And we talked about her with our interview with Kayla, so if you want to learn more about Shanaday Carter, tune into that interview when the episode's released. The number fifth pick was Bella Alare from Princeton, guard slash forward. Heading to the Dallas Wings. 
And a little bit about her. 16.1 points per game, 9.1 rebounds. So she's going to be defensive monster, rebounding machine inside the paint. That's where she's going to excel. 48% field goal percentage. So inside machine. Free time, all Ivy League player of the year. And most of these awards are all, let's see, final five for McLean Awards, nation's top power forward. Also finalist for the Becky Hammond Mid-Major Player of the Year Award. So this was since she was at Princeton, not at a deluxe basketball place. This was that award. But still great nonetheless. And she basically... Is, yep, yep. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, that, that's about it for Bella Ellery. We can keep going. Sure. <laughs> Next is... Mika Herbert Harrigan, heading to Minnesota Lynx from South Carolina. South Carolina. Then number seven. Yeah. Oh. yeah, number seven. Taisha Harris. And she is of British descent and went to school in South Carolina as part of the SC Gamecocks. Yeah. And her, she goes by the nickname of Kiki. So, you know, that comes from directly from her first name, Makaya. And she, some highlights are that she is NCAA champion in 2017, second team All SEC, as well as SEC tournament MVP this year. She's Finished her career second in block shots in the Gamecocks program history. Joins Elena, 6% overall, 43.5% on three-pointers. She also earned the nickname Mad Kiki for her effort on defense. She's a daughter of Michelle Herbert Harrigan. And then moving on to the next pick was number seven, Dallas Wings, Taisha Harris, who is a teammate of Mika Herbert Harrigan. Both played at South Carolina. And Taisha Harris was a guard, 5'10", from Michigan. She was a starting point guard for three years there. Let's see. She performed excellent in South Carolina's 2018 NCAA Elite Eight uh, run as a senior won Staley Award, was finalist for Wade Naismith Trophies as top D1 player, All-America for a team, many accolades, and her assists, 5.1 per game, 9.6 points per game are going to be her highlights heading to the Dallas Wings along with Satu Salby, who we mentioned earlier. And then number eight, we already talked about, so that was Rufi Havard, so we can move on. Then, to the sky. Yep, to the sky. The number nine to the New York Liberty, Megan Walker from UConn. It's probably one of the best women's basketball programs in the country. And she made a dramatic, explosive rise from third-team All-ACE pick as sophomore in 2018 to first-team All-American Player of the Year's junior was final five candidates for 2020 Cheryl Miller Award as nation's top small forward. 
Entering she led nation in many categories. And ranked as the number one recruit nationally in class of 2017. She began playing basketball at five, age five. And she loves Maya Moore. And her stats per game are not unbelievable. But it must be off the chart what she does on the, during the games that stands out. Because her stats aren't unbelievable. But that's never like the defining trait of a player or anything. Then next, number 10, Jocelyn Willoughby from Virginia. Guard forward started all 127 games of her career from New Jersey. So same state as our friend Jack is from. 13.2 points per game. She's currently working at her master's degree at Virginia's Baden School of Public Policy. And that's a little bit about her. Then number... 11, we kind of talked about her with Kayla, which is Kataya Laska. Laska from Latvia. And then finally, uh, the, Florida to the Seattle Storm. Right. And then the number 12th pick, also to New York Liberty, Jasmine Jones from Louisville. And she's from Florida, where that's where she lived. She was a freer starter at Louisville. Played the most games in history of the program. Kept career with all ACE first team, all ACC defensive, all America honors. And 2019, she ranked second on team in points, rebounds, assists for the excellent ranked Cardinals. Two-time state champion. Her dad played at 4 a.m., and for the Cowboys, and brothers played at Florida International. Then her sister played, Gigi played hoops at Appalachian State in Jacksonville. Seven points per game, and that's a little bit about her. Next is number 12 and final pick in this first round. No, that was the Liberty final one. Liberty was Jasmine Jones. Yeah. Yeah, that was the last one. Round that. She rounds it out. Pardon me. No, that's okay. And on to the second round of the draft is L number 13. Luckily, there was only 12 in each, each round. Because if we had to do every single pick in like football, it would be too much. Yeah. And that's why I love basketball. One of the many reasons. And number 13 to the New York Liberty, Kylie Shook. A teammate of Jasmine Jones. Also from Louisville. And to New York. So Jasmine Jones and Kylie will get to play again for the New York Liberty after their teammates at Louisville. And Kylie. And next, yep. at number 14 mm -hmm. to Indiana Fever is Kathleen Doyle from Iowa. So, yes, yeah, she went to Iowa, Hawkeyes. Yep. And, yeah, a fun fact is that her hometown 
is LaGrange Park, Illinois. Oh, close by. So real close to it. Me personally, my my cousin, I have family that lives there. My one of my cousins lives in that area. So you might have seen Kathleen basically, uh, you know, come up <laughs> from through there. So that is very cool. Five nine number twenty two. Head into the fever. Mm-hmm. So it must be that she, you know, possibly had the option to play, you know, like close, you know, like stay within like where like her roots are. Best way to put it. And she is an academic all big ten appeared in twenty nine games, twenty seven starts after missing the first seven of the season with a hand injury. First team all big ten of the coaches and second team all big ten the media. And has nine hundred and ninety three career points, just seven shy of career number one thousand. Registered single season career highs in points, three pointers made, field goals made, and field goal percentage. Her one to seventy assists on the second are the second highest mark for a junior in the program history. It goes on to her mom and dad, Mike and Mary Doyle. And she is the youngest of six siblings, including her brothers, making Colin. And sisters Annie, Bridget, and Sheila. She is the fourth among us to compete collegiately, joining Mick baseball at Notre Dame, Annie basketball at St. Mary's College, and Sheila volleyball at North Carolina. And she studied journalism and is a Spanish major. So, very uh, well rounded athlete and person. So I'm excited to see someone that, that comes out of LaGrange Park, that comes out of our estate in Illinois to prominence within the WNBA. So excited to see how she fares whenever the season opens. And that's number 14. Next is number 15, New York Liberty. Liana Odom from Duke. Do you have more on on her or? Uh, she's heading to Newark Liberty, and Miss Odom is from California, my home state. Don't know where Lone Pack, California, is, but maybe Southern California. That could be, but she. Played for Duke three years as a capable player playing four out of the five positions. So versatile. And I'm guessing since she can do all of them, they don't say which one she didn't do, but I'm not sure. Probably point guard if I had to take a guess. And played in McDonald's All-America game, Jordan Bryant Classic. And her real name is Leona Lane he Odom. Is she related to Lamar Odom? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so moving on to the next one, to the Minnesota Lynx. This was a pick from the Fever. 
Crystal Dangerfield, Dangerfield from Yukon. And from Murfreesboro, Tennessee, home of Middle Tennessee State University, she was at UConn. So another in the long line of explosive, stellar, unbelievably talented UConn players Huskies. looking to go in the NBA, WNBA. And examples of former Husky stars now in the WNBA are Sue Bird, Deanna Tresky, Kia yeah. Nurse, Tiffany Hayes, Renee Montgomery, Bria Hartley, Maura Jefferson, and a thousand more. She, two-time winner by USA Today of Tennessee Player of the Year, first team 2020, and eight points per game. She is 5'5", and 21 years. And you mentioned she's from Murfreesboro, Tennessee. Yeah. And she rose to fifth place in March among Huskies women basketball players in career assists. And the Huskies, it's part of the AAC, the American Athletic Conference. And she is yeah, the AAC All-Freshman Team 2017. First and third team 2019, 2018, respectively, part of the All-AAC. I look forward to seeing Dangerfield. Next is number 17 of the going to the Atlanta Dream, Brittany Brewer from Texas Tech. Number 18, going to Phoenix Mercury, is Taya Cooper from Baylor. Next. Number 19, go to the Seattle Storm. Joyner Holmes from Texas. Then heading to the LA Sparks, which I didn't know, but the Sparks play in the same place as the Lakers and Clippers, the Staples Arena. Mm-hmm. And Beatrice, Beatrice, mom premier at Miami University. And believe me when I say Miami, they mean the Hurricanes, and they do. She two-time All-America honors. She started at Miami, but then it looks like she left, but then came back. That's what it sounds like. Then was among 10 finalists for Leslie Award as nation's top center. Dun, dun, dun. And... 16.7 16.7 points per game, 11.4 rebounds per game. So she's going to be destroying in the paint, going to be that defensive anchor. Also a scorer, too, evidenced by having some of the highest scoring averages in all of the WNBA draft. So Beatrice, mom premier, will be taking her talents to L.A., which there's worse places to go than L.A. <laughs> then number nine. So what pick is this overall? Uh... 21st. 21st. Luisa. Oh, oh my gosh. I'm German and I can't say that. Uh, Geiser Yeah, Geiser Soder. Then number 10, also the LA Sparks from, from Germany. And this person is also from Germany for the number 22 pick. Leon Fivich. Leonie. Yeah, from Leonie Germany. Five. 
to the LA Sparks. Yep. Then number 23rd pick, Kyla Charles from Maryland, guard forward, heading to the Connecticut Sun. Interesting, interesting. Then the final pick in round two, WMA draft, Jalen Agnew from Creighton, so from Nebraska, heading to the Washington Mystics. And now we're moving on to round three. The first pick. In the third round. Correct. At 25th overall. Mikhaila Pekovic. Mikhaila. Sure. Pivik. Sure, whatever. Or to the Atlanta Dream from Oregon State. Number 26. To the New York Liberty, Erica Aguamiki from Rice. Number 27, to the Atlanta Dream, Kobe Thornton from Clemson. Next, number 28, to the Indiana Fever, Kamaya Smalls from Games, Madison. Then... The James Madison Dukes. Uh, let's just it. her. He's 5'10. Number three, a guard. And is a C double A. Let's see. Uh, hometown is Philadelphia. And she is has a laundry list of sets, uh, honors. And she is. A USA basketball three-time South region runner-up qualified for the 2020 Red Bull USA basketball three X three-time final nationals. CWA preseason player of the year as well as their first team player of the year. All CWA first team, Boston All State first team, and uh, of course with those couple of times that I said. She's been named CWA Player of the Week four times and played and started 29 games, averaging 30.3 minutes per game. Led the team in points by 38 and points per game, 18.6 second in CWA. Assist 83, assist per game 3.6 tenth in CWA, and free throw percentage 87.4 second in CWA. Then the next. Oh, yes. Yeah. It, and more yeah. on her is that before college, you write it a three-star recruit by ESPN.com. An all-southeastern Pennsylvania first team in 2016. Repeated as state champions 2016, where it's for 11 points and added four steals. And also she played for AAU for Philadelphia Bells. That are of Connie Smalls and Reggie Williams, and majoring in kinesiology, concentration in exercise science, and minoring in disability studies. So, complex on Smalls. Moving on, the next pick in the WM draft was Stella Johnson from Ryder to the Phoenix Mercury. She's a guard. On basically, all you need to know that sums up how successful she was as a Division One basketball player was. Only active D1 player with 2,000 career points, 700 rebounds, 
400 assists and 300 steals. So it shows how Stella Johnson, very successful. Moving on to this guy, their second pick they got was Japrice Dean, who we discussed from UCLA. Then moving on to towards the end of the WMA draft to the Seattle Storm, Haley Gorchecki from Duke. She's Jerecki, from number 30, oh. 30, first overall from Duke. She's from Illinois, Hoffman Estates, mm-hmm. Illinois. She went to high school in Palatine, Illinois, and named Illinois Miss Basketball, Chicago Sun Times Player of the Year, Chicago All State First Team. She loves psychology. She won a final five for the Drysdale Award as top shooting guards and co-captain at Duke. And she's had also good stats, just like Stella Johnson. Only Blue Devil player besides M. Curry to have 500 points, 200 rebounds, 175 steals in one season. Then to the Chicago Sky, 32nd overall pick, Kaya Gillespie from Forest State, who we discussed. Then with the 33rd overall pick to the Las Vegas Aces, Lauren Manis from Holy Cross, 16.6 points per game, 9.7 rebounds. And this is where our friend Kayla, one of her favorite teams, so she'll probably be excited to watch Lauren Manis in action. Then with the 34th overall pick, to the LA Sparks from West Virginia, 15.3 points per game and 4.4 rebounds, Tynese Martin. Then the last one, second to last, to the Connecticut Sun, Juicy Landrum from Baylor, 7.9 points per game. And the final... Number 20, oh, 5-8. Yep, yep. Go ahead. No, I don't I don't have any oh here we go. Juicy Landrum. She's from Waco, Texas. She played at Baylor, so she stayed in Waco for all of her basketball career. And very successful. 2019-2020 All Big 12 first team. The Waco Tribute Herald. Honorable mention by the coaches. As well as what an award midseason watch list, WBCAN Myers Drysdale watch list, co player of the week of the Big 12, December 23rd, uh, 2018, right? 19, all Big 12 second team, as well as 2019 Big 12 co player of the week, January 13th. And yeah, it's some fun facts on her is that her. As we said, her name's Juicy, so that might spark up some uh, thoughts for you guys that um, it's certainly a very unique name. And so her actual given name is Kelbion. Was I, I hope I'm saying that correctly. Yeah, I have no idea. Cal- Calvin or Kelbion goes by a nickname Juicy, the daughter of Don Dallison and Calvin Landrum. As two sisters, Portia and Brianna, and one brother, Kirk, chose Baylor over Texas A&M, Texas Tech, and Oklahoma State. So it sounds like she had some 
really nice offers to play at those different schools. And she looks up to Candace Parker because after having a baby and knee surgery, she is back stronger than ever. She majored in kinesiology. And Baylor is... They are the Bears. I think they go by the Lady Bears in women's, if I'm not wrong. Because I think the men's is Bears. I think the women, they say Lady Bears. I think... Then, the final pick of the WMA draft, who we discussed, because we didn't want her to get not mentioned, is Sug Sutton to the Washington Mystics from University of Texas, so same state as Juicy Landrum. 36th overall pick. Yep. And we... Discussed her. And we guessed that. He goes nice. Shug. Yes. We'll, we'll, we'll see. I think I'll be right and you'll be like devastated. <laughs> <laughs> and to cap it off, we have to do some oh, what happened during the beginning. We shall mention this that the WNBA during this draft, they honored three young players as honorary draft picks. Starting with Gianna Bryant, daughter of the late Kobe, Alyssa Atabelli, as well as Peyton Chester, all of whom lost their lives in a in the um, tragic helicopter accident yeah. back in January. January, yeah. Uh, USA Today says February though I know that is that's wrong it's January uh, they they were all selected so that is a nice touch by the league and definitely uh you know they this is too soon um yet um I'm hard as happy to see that they're doing this to honor them and they're mentioned to be Definitely the future, and uh, without a doubt, the future. Um, whether it's basketball or not, um, they're the future, though. Specifically, the commissioner announcers mentioning that they definitely would have, uh, especially to emphasize Gigi, would have been a uh, future uh, like prospect for the league. And so... That does it for the picks in the 2020-2020 WNBA draft. And a quick note before we continue is that WNBA's virtual draft gets big ratings. This is courtesy of Yahoo Sports. And this is the first virtual draft by a league in sports history. And as CJ mentioned, they do things similar to this. they they do it. They've done it remotely um, before. And well, I don't know if that's completely true, but that was that is accurate. I thought um, it was well, accurate, anyway, but I'm not sure. The they with this they were, were the second most watched one in WNBA history. Only the 2004 draft got bigger ratings, mm. which is the same year that Yao Ming was still on the Rockets. So that, that 
that year. So nearly 16 years later. And that was LeBron James too. Not, or no, that was Anthony, I think. Carmelo Anthony. That was a big draft. Yeah. Well, thanks for listening to our WNBA coverage. And the sad thing is if there was real games, we could probably start discussing more about the WNBA teams. But for now, stay posted for... One on as scheduled. Correct. We have that so early on. Preseason when next month yeah and stay tuned for future WNBA news there might be some news coming out shortly depending on coronavirus what's happening because they were supposed to start in May but obviously they've been postponed so we'll see if any new developments come to light shortly And this week, April 22nd, so this week is the NFL draft, which is also a big draft, and they're going to do that virtually. Yeah, boy. They're going to do that virtually as well, just like the WNBA draft. So we'll see how it goes, especially since there's hundreds of NFL draft picks, unlike only 36 WNBA. And... It'll be on ESPN, I believe, just like WMA Draft. And there are lots of people guessing, just like WNBA, dressing the potential picks. Who do you think is going to go number one? Who's it going to be? Who's going to be? And most likely, Joe Burrow from LSU is going to take his talents to the Cincinnati Bengals to be their new quarterback, their new star quarterback, because Andy Dalton is now gone from the Bengals. So Joe Burrow... Hopefully he can recreate his success at LSU when he won the football champion the college football championship, national championship, and now he's heading to the Bengals, a team that has not won a playoff game in decades, even though they've made it a number of times recently under Marvin Lewis. Now they're under their new coach. And last year were the worst team evidenced by the number one pick. So we'll see if Joe Burrow slowly steps into the reins as the new LSU star, or does he get handed the reins right away when the NFL season starts? We'll have to see. I'm guessing he'll probably get handed the reins pretty fast, but we'll see how ready the team is to have him. And normally I would discuss a lot about the Bears' number one pick, but they don't have a pick until later in the draft, so I'm going to have to do some more research on potential choices before I can make any announcements and we have about one minute before we have to switch topics so any last comments DJ Benny the Bull well it's expected to be one of the most explosive NBA NFL mock drafts Uh, it's possibly the best ever so let's get excited for that as excited we are for the WNBA draft and stay tuned for more topics on the episode 16 coming shortly. Okay, thank you. Hey, everyone. And there's big breaking news in the NFL world. Rob Gronkowski 
former New England Patriots tight end, now former. He played for nine years in New England, won three Super Bowl rings, just recently competed in WWE during WrestleMania 36, and looked like he there was rumblings he might sign again, but there's no evidence. But now, big breaking news. And to discuss that big breaking news, my good friend Eric Clymer, who this will be his fourth time, has joined the program. Hey, Eric, how are you doing? Pretty good. Calling about yourself. Doing well. I mean, I always enjoy when a new sports article comes because there's not been very many recently. Yeah, I mean, we can only play eight ball in our eight ball pool on our phones for so long, you know. Oh yeah, I was playing a lot of like games on my phone with friends yesterday, and that's not exactly the most exciting. <laughs> Yeah, so it's cut pong. You know, I just can't can't believe this Gronk thing, man. <laughs> yeah, I know, because there was rumblings that he might go back to the NFL, but I didn't know how substantial those rumors were. Yeah, I mean, I didn't think there's anything to it. You showed the twenty four seven. It was a WrestleMania champ that you just talked about earlier. And, you know, like I was talking to you before we went on air, I, I thought it was a joke, man. I look and see, you know, New England trades a seventh-round pick and Rob Gronkowski for a fourth-round pick from the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, you know, I guess it makes sense, you know, fourth round for a retired player. But as a Patriots fan, I'm hurt. The 2020 has uh, started off uh, with a bang, but not the good one. Yeah, 2020 has not been the best. You know, but it, it did get me thinking, Colin, you know, what if this was Tom's master plan? Yeah, you know, I, yeah. He was in, uh, you know, he knows Gronk was working out. I think it was in South Beach. You know, we saw that at the Super Bowl. Gronk was doing all this, you know, Gronk-like partying in the, on the beach and stuff. And he, uh, you know, Tom went to Florida and basically recruited him for next to nothing. You know, the Bucks have cap space. I think it's only $10 million left on uh, Rob's contract. So, uh it's going to be interesting, you know, the how the dominoes fall. Yeah, because I was looking at uh, NFL Network, and they were talking about how that very same thing, that it could have been part of Tom Brady's master stroke heading to Tampa Bay to get Gronkowski to join him. And it's not like the Patriots could have kept him, I guess, for cap space. It have been really difficult. You know, because I think we have like a million cap space so far, so it's not even enough for the draft. But it's just, uh, as another Patriots fan, you know, it's another L to take for this year. I, when I saw the news, I cracked open IPA. You know, I have to have some beer right now. So oh, yeah. Understandable. No, because I had forgotten since he retired, but he was still on a deal, I guess. But they said that um, it's not unprecedented. It said that. Marston Lynch, he also did the same thing when he was on the Seahawks and said he'd only play for the Oakland Raiders, his hometown team. Mm-hmm. So it's been done before. Oh, for sure. And then, like, you know, like the unthinkables happened, you know, not players retiring, but, you know, just like it's like when Brett Favre went to the Vikings. And yeah. Stuff. It's like, it's like you can't believe like what you're seeing. You know, I'm not going to buy, I'm not going to buy a Gronk jersey. Uh, I'll tell you that right now. I got a Patriots jersey in my closet right now, <laughs> stitched, by the way. So uh. I'm, I'm going to keep hold of that. But, you know, honestly, I don't know if you're familiar with uh, too much with WrestleMania or like the 24-7 champ, 
But what that means is, you know, Gronk has to defend that belt at all times. That's right. So I, I really hope, you know, leading into halftime or something like that, someone goes on the field and just taps him out and takes the belt, you know what I'm saying? Just <laughs> do something. Well, I'm not that familiar with wrestling, but my co-host, uh, DJ Benny the Bull, and then my other friend, uh, Jack, who's been on the program twice, they're big both WWE, like, super fans, so they know all about wrestling. Well, I'm, not, I'm not too into it. Basically, it's just super simple. Like, 24-7 yeah. champ means you have to yep. defend the belt, you know, 24-7. So, yeah. anytime, anywhere, literally anywhere. So, it's like, if someone did it on the football field, that'd be pretty funny. Yeah, and according to this article, he's going to join, like I already knew, that the Buccaneers already are stacked in receiving with O.J. Howard, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin. So they look pretty Cameron good on Bray, paper. You know, three tight ends. Yeah, Cameron Bray. The, the dual team, so that's just going to be really crazy. And Mike Shoup, or Nick Sock, who wrote this article, said that's possible that the Buccaneers could be players in the draft, for example, trading maybe O.J. Howard or Cameron Brait, since they'll have uh, Gronkowski most likely now. Yeah, pending pending a physical, I believe. But uh, yeah, yeah. there's no reason to believe that Gronk's not healthy. But, you know, the, no. the Bucks, I think this, they still have a lot of cap space. You know, when they didn't sign A.B., they got Gronk. Like, I'd take that. You know, if Gronk's healthy, but that's that's a good uh, that's a good trade off. Hopefully, their defense can hold up. But I do uh, I see them making the playoffs. I don't know about Super Bowl run. Yeah, I don't yeah, know about Gronk that. Adds that, but I just don't see it. Part of me also doesn't want to see it. So yeah, I, f- I think they could make the playoffs. Maybe a ten and six, nine and seven record w- wouldn't be out of the question. Yeah, and you know it's. You know, Gronk saw the new jerseys two days ago or yesterday, and he's probably like, yeah, if I come back, A, I'm not wearing those jerseys, and B, Tom's not there, so I can come back to the Patriots. Yeah, yeah, what do you think of the new jerseys? Love them? Hate them? What do I think about them? I ordered the away one. The white one looks ill, and it looks classy. The 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 home one, like, it's the Color Rush one, it's whatever. It's, yeah. You know, I, I would have rather seen like a 90s throwback you know to the the patriots elvis you know going all the way across the shoulders to the back but you know things hopefully things change i know uh, like i've seen a lot of teams have been updating their jerseys recently like the Atlanta falcons probably my second favorite team they updated their jerseys too but i don't know what to think of the black it looks pretty smooth yeah all black it looks pretty smooth i agree and, you know, the Chargers, I don't know if you saw the Chargers ones, but they kind of went back to their old no, I didn't 80s see or 90s with the the bolts going all the way across the shoulder. They oh. got, like, the baby blues they're rocking now. They got the gold pants. Like, it looks pretty good. Yeah, I didn't see the Chargers ones, but that's cool. I like their uniforms and, you know, just the Rams. So let's talk about their logo. Which oh, man. I, uh, I thought the logo was ridiculous. If you look at all the Instagram comments, they're they're not even about what the Rams are posting. It's just change the logo, change the logo, change the logo. <laughs> it looks so weird. Like, yeah, it's it's I don't know, but you know, to to sum everything up, you know, I hope Gronk does well with Tom there. But I hope it's I, Patriots yeah. Nation. I think Patriots going to take it still. You know what I mean? You got to believe. 
All right, do you have any last thoughts? Because I know you got to go do some stuff. Oh, no, I just, uh, just thanks for having me, man, you know, and uh, wish you the best, man. All right, talk to you later. Take it easy. Well, th that was awesome to have our good friend Eric Clymer join the show again for his fourth appearance on the Bullhawk Sports Show. Once he makes it to five guest appearances, we're going to have to do something super special, some sort of interesting event or a special to celebrate him making it to five guest appearances because that's pretty big amount in terms of the Mohawk Sports Show, especially since we haven't even made it to 20 official episodes yet. We've had 15 regular episodes released. Then we had the pilot episode, which does not count in the numbers. We've had the WWE episode. And then we had one of my personal favorite episodes, the St. Patrick's Day episode about historical figures from Ireland. Six from Northern Ireland, six from Ireland. That's one of my personal favorite episodes. And that doesn't count as a number. So we've had 18 official episodes. And this will be number 19, the one that uh, Eric joined us for. And then once you make it to 20, we'll be there. So that was awesome to have him on. And before we end this segment, there's a few things I want to talk about. Since DG Benning the Bull is here, not here. Discuss some things here and there that I recently saw that I thought could be interesting. There's one I want to talk about. This is in regards to my favorite sport, baseball. And this is from CBSSports.com from Catherine Achavella. This is from five minutes ago. And it is minor league baseball will accept MLB proposal that could cut more than 40 teams, report says. So in minor league baseball, there is currently 160 minor league teams. So these teams revolve around all 30 clubs. And all the clubs have their low A, high T, high A, rookie league, double A, triple A. And I think there's one like short season, even lower. So they have five minor league teams. So each cl uh, club has five minor league teams. So that equals like 160. And if they want to cut at least 40 of those or more. So that would bring it down to 120. And definitely interesting to kind of discuss what teams could be cut, what teams could not be cut. There are ones that no way would they be cut. For example, probably my favorite minor league baseball club. Seen them the most times. Love the park, which is the San Jose Giants. And no way would they be cut. I cannot see them being cut. If they did, I probably would go into a rant, scream and yell. And I would not be happy if that was one of the teams that was a casualty. But... Let me look at this article because I saw an article of potential minor league teams that could be cut. And it's definitely sad because I don't know why they have to eliminate so many. I mean, probably financial. 
issues is a problem. And this was written about a few months ago and had to do with teams that potentially could be cut. This was written on Baseball America on November 30th, 2019. And some of the teams they suggested were in Double A, Binnington, Rumble Ponies, Chattanooga Lookouts, Erie Sea Wolves, Jackson Generals. And I don't know why. I always liked Binnington, Rumble Ponies. They're a relatively new name because it was the Binnington Mets, not the Rumble Ponies. <laughs> High Class A, Lanchester Jethawks, which is annoying because that is a team that I've seen play in the minor leagues. They're in the same league as the Sansa Giants in the California. So, high A. And so, Lancaster Jethawks, Daytona, Tortugas, Florida Firefrogs, Frederick Keys, Low Class A, Brilliant Snappers, Burlington Bees, Clinton Lumber Kings, Lexington Legends, Hagerstown Suns, West Virginia Power, and Sort Season. This is where the casualties start to come. In the rookie league and the short season is where basically the bulk of all teams potentially being eliminated in minor leagues are all happening. Because in double, high A, and low A, only a few, but still it's awful. But short season, Auburn Double Days, Batavia Muck Dogs, Connecticut Tigers, Lowell Spinners, Mahoon Valley Scrappers, Salem Kaiser Volcanoes, they are in the San, Jose, the San Francisco Giants, one of their affiliates. State College Spikes, Staten Island Yankees, Tri-City Dust Devils, Vermont Link Monsters, and Williamsport Crosscutters. And Williamsport Crosscutters is the Phillies affiliate. I'm trying to remember who the team's affiliate of which club. Some of them I can remember, like Bennington Realm Ponies is the Mets affiliate. But ones like Chattanooga Lookouts, I'm not exactly sure because they switch often. Because I know they've been affiliate of the Dodgers, Reds, multiple teams they've been affiliate of. And then the finally, in the Rookie League, potential teams being eliminated are Billings Mustangs, Bluefield Blue Jays, Bristol Pirates, Burlington Royals, Danville Braves, so Atlanta Braves affiliate, Elizabethton Twins, Grand Junction Rockies, Great Fall Voyagers, Greenville Reds, Idaho Falls Chuckers, Johnson City Cardinals, Kingsport Mets, Missoula Osprey, Ogden Raptors, Orem Owls, Princeton Rays, and Rocky Mountain Vibes. So definitely interesting teams that could be eliminated, sadly from the minor leagues. And we'll have to see if they agree to remove up to 40 teams or they decide that's too many and they can come to some agreement, maybe 20 instead of 40. And thanks everyone for listening to this segment, Bullhawk Sports Show. DJ, Benny, Bull, and I are going to discuss some more topics for this episode. 
We've had two guests on so far, Eric Clymer, and then our friend Kayla McLeod for her first time talking about WNBA and her women's basketball career. So that's what we've had so far for this episode. Stay tuned for more. All right. Oh, thank you. <laughs> and we're back here on the Bullhawk Sports Show. And myself, CG Hawk, I have big breaking news to deliver from about less than an hour ago. And this is from probably one of my favorite media publications, The Athletic. They do an excellent job on sports news stories. This is from Chad Jennings, titled Five Things We Learned in MLB's Report on Red Sox Sign Stealing Discipline. And finally, the Red Sox that have been accused of what they've done. So MLB's finally finished their investigation, wrapped it up, and now the findings on what the Red Sox did 2018 are out now. The first point was violations were very limited. They found that the Red Sox had done illegal sign stealing in 2018 regular season, but found it was not effective in playoffs. Also, J.T. Watkins, who was the replay room operator, he's got the brunt of the discipline. He's in big trouble. His job was to study opposing team signs before and after games and use the live video and replay room. And similar to Astros, would let the Red Sox players know. Punishment is light. Compared to the Astros' sign-stealing punishment, the Red Sox received something lighter than a slap on the wrist. So a slap on the wrist is nothing. This is even less. So basically, so inconsequential that is it even a punishment. The only problem or punishment, the penalty, is that the Red Sox must get rid of their 2020 second-round pick. And compared to the Astros' punishment, which was stiffer, the Red Sox punishment is very light. The organization has not been fined. No coaches, executive players have been suspended at all. Interim manager Ron Renke's name is nowhere to be seen. And Rob Manfred destroyed the Astros saying very problematic. Unlike this one where he says nothing of the sort. Then number three, TJ Watkins takes the fall. The only man who's been punished at all for the Red Sox. He was a well-liked staffer and member of the video replay room. He will be suspended for all of the 2020 regular season, however long that is, and will not be allowed to serve as a replay room operator in the upcoming 2021 season. And this one, quote, Rob Manfred wrote, I do not find that then-manager Alex Cora, the Red Sox coaching staff, the front office staff, or any of the players in the 2018 Red Sox knew or should have known that Watkins was utilizing in-game video to update the information that he learned from his pre-game analysis. Then, also, number four, Cora. So Alex Cora suspended for a year, even though we already knew this, he was already fired from the Red Sox. 
Um, this punishment similar to what happened to AJ Hintz and the Astros and Jeff Lunau. And it sounds like Alex Cora, his suspension had nothing to do with the Red Sox. It only had to do with the Astros when he used his cheating ways, his evil schemes as a sign-stealing orchestrator in Houston. So it sounds that he would not have been suspended had he been only the Red Sox manager. I mean, only worked for the uh, Astros, so Red Sox. Then commissioner wrote, while not impose additional discipline on Cora as a result of the conduct engaged by Watkins, because I find that Cora had no idea. I do note that Cora did not effectively communicate to Red Sox players that sign-stealing rules were in place for 2018. And finally, fifth last thing you need to know, confusion throughout. The league's report does acknowledge some confusion within baseball about what is and was not allowed under current guidelines. From the final paragraph of the report, some players may have thought that Watkins was using the system improperly, but they did not know how or why. Others had no idea how. Moreover, those who expected that Watkins was using the system did not understand it was a violation at all because MLB rules are constantly changing. And in conclusion, Commissioner Rob Manfred said, Watkins was placed in a very difficult position by virtue of his dual role as the person responsible for decoding signs pregame and as a person responsible for operating the Red Sox replay room. Watkins admitted that because he watched the game feeds during the entire game, he was able to use his skills to determine when the sign sequences happened and provide them to players prior to the game were not good. Ron. Thus, he apologized for his mistakes. And conclusion, this was from Chad Dennings of The Athletic. And if you want to read more about the Red Sox sign-stealing scandals or the Houston Astros scandals, I recommend The Athletic or ESPN, two excellent sources. Okay, I'm done talking. <laughs> All right. Switching gears on to updates. I have one for you for and from the NWSL. And it's that they are doing a campaign. So the NWSL joins U.S. soccer in the bend, the curve, stay-at-home campaign as soccer communities to or is to deliver important message in efforts to fight against COVID-19. This was reported on April Fool's, so the first of this month. And this is by Matthew Levine, courtesy of NWSLsoccer.com. And pictured here is with Carly Lloyd, number 10, celebrates a goal with the bench. <laughs> Um, you know, of course, all these, like, you know, they show a photo of the hashtags that uh, bend the curve, stay at home. Of course, um, Team USA is one nation, one team. And it's important, you know, they showcase the men's national team as well as the women's national team. Uh, though we are truly, they were really that they are basically pushing out 
you know, that we're one nation, one team, and this is that we're all on the same team on fighting this very virus, which we don't have to go over much, though, to continue to spread awareness of the critical messaging surrounding COVID-19, the National Women's Soccer League has joined U.S. Soccer in the Bend the Curve Stay at Home campaign as we bring soccer communities together. The NMSL will help emphasize all guidance from medical experts in this soccer-themed campaign. Our goal with our Bend the Curve Stay at Home campaign is to reinforce to the soccer community to that the single most important message to us to help us get through these challenging times is to make sure people stay at home to bend and eventually flatten the curve of COVID-19 cases, said U.S. Soccer Chief Medical Officer, Dr. George Champas. We're happy to join this initiative with our U.S. Soccer family and help continue to drive this important message. I am deeply appreciative of the entire community of players, coaches, trainers, and staff who have been so vigilant in following the in-place guidelines the league has provided, said NWSL Commissioner, Commissioner Lisa Baird. To energize the Bend the Curve Stay at Home campaign, U.S. Soccer and the NWSL will share graphics and video highlights from memorable goals and free kicks on all of its social media accounts. The Federation will also be partnering with key stakeholders across the soccer community, including current and former U.S. players, to amplify the message and deliver the real meaning to the phrase One Nation, One Team. And more details will be released as the campaign develops. And that is the latest from NWSL. And to follow up, we bring it back to the Chicago Red Stars. I'm excited to announce that partnering with Chicago Local 134, which is their supporters group, which I am unofficially a part of. I mean, all of us. Oh, really? And it sits in the, in the Harlem Club section, uh, section 118 and 119. We uh, basically are, you know, they have a membership. Yeah, um, it's optional. You can join. You get more like perks and everything um, to be a part of it. And uh, yeah, you don't have to be um, in order to be a supporter. So it was announced a few days ago that, well, for this weekend, the 25th, <laughs> it would have been the home opener for the Red Stars. Yet that has been pushed back due to what's happening right now. So here is according to this courtesy of a tweet from from Shy Red Stars PR, which is the official Twitter page. And they will be hosting a opening day tailgate. And it is presented by Revolution Brewing and Chicago Local 134. And here's the effort. Join us for the footy fun we all need. 
here's what to expect. Number one, Revolution Revolution Brewery will introduce the new City Series beers. Second, Chicago Local 134 will put on a crafty TIFO competition. For those of you who don't know what TIFO is, basically decorating. It's a piece of artwork that you put together with, you know, like how arts and crafts work. You basically make a mosaic. You put together like a poster that's dedicated to a team or a player, which is what's happening here. And number three, we'll host a Q&A, which I'm excited about. Q&A with owner Arnhem and new forward Kalia Ohai. And I myself, I RSVP, which everyone can too. There's a link through the Red Stars PR page, and it is a Google form. So simple. And you can join this. Details have not been revealed whether it's this is through, especially with the QA, it's going to be through a Zoom call. Is it going to be a live, which I don't believe it would be? Um, you know, if we get to see. Maybe. Arnum, Arnum and Kalia, uh, I put down because part of the form is that uh, is do you have any questions for owner Arnum? Do you have any questions for um, our player Kalia? And I put down a few. Hopefully, they can answer whether it's going to be Facebook Live. Or if we get to see all the fans here, they get face to face somehow. That's what I'm thinking it'll be. So that is the latest developments for what was supposed to be the home opener for just Calgary Red Stars this weekend, Saturday, as this event will be taking place on Saturday, April 25th. So stay tuned for more updates on the Red Stars, though a little bit more on the opening day at Home Depot competition is that there will be a prize for participating so after a little competition so if you participate in this local 134 sponsors it and first place winner will get a 2020 chicago red stars away jersey second place will get a revolution brewing one local 134 bear pack and third place will get a 2020 Local 134 scarf. I've seen a scarf myself and it looks very spiffy. And the instructions to this quick overview is to create a display of support for the Red Stars using material you have at home and share your creation at the virtual tailgate. And rules and the judging rubric for this at home TIFO competition it's from a scale of 1 to 10. And the criteria is effort, the effort at home factor, Chicago-ness, and aesthetics with a maximum score, possible score of 40. For effort, they ask the question, uh, does it seem like this person put their blood, sweat, and tears into this project? Did they neglect their inbox to work from home on this instead? Then the at home factor, 
Lizzie incorporate non-traditional at-home materials you'd find only in a pandemic. Tifa, for Chicago-ness, how Chicago is this Tifa? Does it re reference one of the following things? The Chicago Red Stars or a Red Stars player, the city of Chicago, or local culture and identity, Chicago one, Local 134, or Revolution Brewing. For aesthetics, does this Tifa fine as hell? Does it look good? Or does it look too good? So that is for this contest that is also happening this weekend. So excited for that. And that's all I have for all of y'all for the Chicago Red Stars. Stay tuned for the latest. And yeah. for a, what's uh, basically a recap. Yeah, thank yeah, thanks for tuning in to Bullnock Sports Show, episode 16. And we're going to release that today, so April 22nd, 2020. Stay tuned for episode 17. Happy Earth Day, everyone. Yeah, happy Earth Day. And stay tuned for episode 17, which come out next week, which will delve in-depth on the NFL Draft, so do not worry. The NFL Draft will be discussed, but we just need more time. And frankly, need to see the draft happen before we can cover it successfully. Yes. So thanks for tuning in and see everyone next time here on the Bullhawk Sports Show. We've greatly done the like doing these episodes and appreciate your support thus far. Wash your hands. Yeah, stay safe. Button the curve. Button the curve. And stay safe. If you need to leave the house, we completely understand. Just be safe. Take the appropriate precautions. Such as wearing a face mask. Yeah, face mask. Wash your hands. Find one. Yes. And, and don't touch your face. Yeah. Don't do anything stupid. Yeah. No coughing on people or sneezing. Don't, we don't need that. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, cover up. Yep. Just be safe and talk to everyone shortly. All right, bye.